Um, We are going to read this morning from the book of Matthew, starting um, in chapter 8 from verse 23, and then going through to chapter 9, verse 13. Then he got into the boat, and his disciples followed him. Without warning, a furious storm came up on the lake, so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. He replied, You of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the wind and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, What kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. When he arrived at the other side in the region of the Gadarenas, two demon-possessed men coming from the tombs met him. They were so violent that no one could pass that way. What do you want with us, son of God? They shouted. Have you come here to torture us before the appointed time? Some distance from them, a large herd of pigs was feeding. The demons begged Jesus, if you drive us out, send us into the herd of pigs. He said to them, go. So they came out and went into the pigs, and the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and died in the water. Those tending the pigs ran off, went into the town and reported all this, including what had happened to the demon-possessed men. Then the whole town went out to meet Jesus, and when they saw him, they pleaded with him to leave their region. Jesus stepped into a boat, crossed over and came to his own town. Some men brought to him a paralytic, laying on a mat. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. At this, some of the teachers of the law said to themselves, This fellow is blaspheming. Knowing their thoughts, Jesus said, Why do you entertain evil thoughts in your hearts? Which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk? But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the paralytic, Get up, take your mat and go home. And the man got up and went home. When the crowd saw this, they were filled with awe and they praised God who was who had given such authority to men. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at a tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him, and Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Thanks, Trudy. Morning, everyone. Craig's already introduced me, but... um, my name is Coops, one of the pastors here at uh, Trinity Church Mobbury. And if you could keep your uh, Bibles or your devices open there at Matthew 8 from verse 23, that would be great. Uh, let's pray as we begin. 
Heavenly Father, we do thank you that we can meet here today and hear from your word. And Father, we pray that you would help us to hear what you have to tell us, that we take it with us this week. And by your spirit, you might transform us with it. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I thought I'd um, start the talk this morning by just telling you a bit of a story about Bronwyn and I, my wife Bronwyn. Uh, and I before, many years ago now, before we had kids, we travelled around a fair bit. And uh, one particular stop we made was in Canada. We had three months in Banff, which is like a ski town, the really beautiful part of the world. So we're just taking a bit of time off and I, uh, I got a job operating the ski lifts over there. So three months just messing around on the snow was awesome because you pretty much just skied every day. And uh, I would drag Bronwyn up onto the slopes uh, each weekend and she'd do that just to sort of keep me happy. And one particular time, uh, we jumped on uh, this lift, we get to the base of the mountain, and uh, Bron says, oh, I forgot my, my ski goggles. And uh, I said, oh, well, that's all right. Um, just, uh, you know, maybe put on your sunglasses, that'll work. And she said, well, I've forgotten them as well. And I looked around, and it looked a bit like the picture on the screen here. It was a beautiful sunny day, there wasn't a cloud in the sky, and I said, nah, you'll be right, let's head up. And Bronwyn, being the sensible one, said, nah, I'll just go down to the ski shop and I'll grab a pair of goggles. But goggles are expensive, right? And if you buy them on the slopes, they're like double. So I said, don't bother with that. Let's save 50 bucks. Let's head up. So I dragged her on the ski lift. Up we went and I thought, we won't go just halfway up. Let's go right to the very top because I want to have a really good ski run down. And I learned something that day. I learned that um, weather on a mountain can change just like that, like in a heartbeat, and it did. So we had this very long uh, ski lift ride up, and we get off at the top, and the weather's changed. This storm has rolled in across the mountain range, looked uh, worse than this, actually, and uh, it, was, it was just white everywhere. Okay, so clouds in the sky are white. There's mist and fog around us. It's white everywhere, white, obviously, on the ground from the snow, and we could see about that far. And poor old Bron could see nothing because he had no goggles. She had her eyes sort of screwed shut. And uh, I thought, uh, well, we might be in a bit of trouble here and it's all my fault, so I better act positive. So I said, look, uh, it's no worries, Bron. We'll just take our time following gravity. We'll go slowly down the mountain. Um, But she couldn't even keep her eyes open and she said, but what happens if we ski over the edge? I thought, that's a fair point. And I said... "Um, (laughs) They have these flags every now and again that mark the edge. And I said, well, if we see a flag, we'll know we've skied over the edge. (laughs) And she wasn't really impressed by that and not moving very far. And it was at that point I thought to myself, actually, we might be in a bit of trouble here. And about then, this ski patrol guy just sort of came out of what seemed like nowhere. He looked like this guy on the screen in his red jacket. And he'd been looking for people caught on the mountain. And he he looked at Bron and he said, where are your glasses? And we said, well, we don't have any. And he looked at us like we were idiots and then he told us that we were. But he took us down anyway and he guided us um, back down to safety. Uh, The thing is, we were were feeling fairly worried and quite afraid actually up up to that point. And then when this guy appeared and we saw that he was a ski patroller, you know, we didn't feel any more fear. We felt stupid. But we didn't feel any more fear. See, these guys, and those of you that have done a bit of skiing would know, like they, they carry a lot of authority, these guys. like They're really competent. We'd seen what they could do because we'd been up there for a few months now. And so far, the time he turned up, 
We were confident. We just trusted this guy. He was going to bring us to safety. There was no need for us to be scared anymore. Nervous at challenge of getting down in those conditions, but we weren't afraid. And fair enough. This guy, he was a real authority on the ski slopes. We were really thankful. But the thing about a ski patroller is they're an authority in ski rescue. And in our passage today, Jesus shows us what he can do. And he shows his authority over everything, actually, over all of creation. You know, there's no corner of our lives, there's no corner of our hearts, there's no corner of of creation that he doesn't have authority over. And he has authority to reconcile us to God forever. So I was thinking through this and thinking, well, if I trusted a ski patrol guy to remove my fear in that situation, how much more in Jesus? And today the Bible shows us that if we trust in a man like Jesus and his authority, then it leaves little room for fear. Faith in Jesus and his authority leaves little room for fear. That's the concept that I want us to explore today. And I want to do it in those first three accounts that Trudy read for us, the disciples and the storm, the sending out of the demons and the healing of the paralytic. So where are we uh, here in, in chapter 8 of Matthew's Gospel? Jesus has cleansed a leper, if you remember. He saved a centurion servant. He's healed Peter's mother-in-law. He's driven out demons. And he's just generally uh, healed the sick. So clearly, this is a man who has great compassion. That's clear to us, isn't it? He has great compassion, Jesus, and he has great power. And so now, uh, in our passage, from verse 23, the disciples are heading with Jesus across the Sea of Galilee. And uh, you can see there in the map, there's the Sea of Galilee. And he's heading across to the eastern side of what Matthew keeps referring to as a lake. And I'll show you a photo uh, of what that looks like today. There it is there, Sea of Galilee. And it really, it really does get rough, even today. So you can see in the photo there, there's uh, all of the mountains. Uh, the, the lake is sort of nestled down in these mountains. It's a couple of hundred metres below sea level. And the wind just rushes down the side of those mountains and it whips up these huge storms. And that's one of the storms that we're reading about uh, here today. Where it says from verse 24, suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. So this is not just any storm. This is like, I want you to imagine, it's like an earthquake in the lake, like this violent shaking, you know, like the lake's been picked up and shaken around, you know, like those snow globes that you used to get. You can probably still get those. Do you know the ones I mean? You shake them and it's, it's like that. There is this tremendous storm. And if you remember, a bunch of those disciples used to be commercial fishermen. And they're afraid. And so the disciples, they go over and they woke him saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. And he replies, and his reply is curious, isn't it? He says, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? And then he got up and he rebuked the winds and the waves. And it was completely calm. So do you think that's strange? He speaks a word to the wind and the waves and it is completely calm, like completely. Do you know when you get out of the bath and the water takes a little while to sort of smooth over 
And that's normally what happens, doesn't it? On a big body of water like that, when the wind dies down in a storm, it takes a while for the water to settle. But here with a word, it calms completely. Just with a word. See, Matthew here, he doesn't want us to miss the authority that Jesus has over the natural world. It's absolute. And then Jesus, well, he has a bit of a crack at the disciples here, doesn't he? He sees their fear and he makes a comment about that. And on one hand, I'm not sure about you, I read this and I think, well, come on, I, you know, I've caught the ferry to Kangaroo Island and I reckon if I was on that ferry in the middle of like an earthquake-type storm, there was this great shaking and wind and the waves, I'd be pretty scared too. But I think what Matthew wants us to understand here is that the fear that the disciples are feeling, it's, it's not just being scared. They're afraid in a way here that's sort of cowardly or timid. Maybe cowardly might be too strong a word, but they're afraid in a way that they're not firm. They're not steadfast in the face of that danger that they're that they're uh, they're facing and so as they face this danger jesus sees their faith is not a steadfast one it's lacking and so let me explain uh, what that means i'm going to be trying to explain uh, what that means by using you know an opposite example of that if someone was steadfast in the middle of danger um, i had a friend once uh, well i assume she's still a friend i had a friend who um she had, was diagnosed with cancer. This was a few years ago now. And um, for the longest time, we didn't know how that was going to go. She was in and out of treatments, uh, in and out of uh, doctors, in and out of diagnosis. And it went on for months and months. And I'm sure through the whole thing, she felt scared. She had three kids. She had a great family. She had heaps to live for. But, you know, all the times I spoke to her or to her husband, I would never have described her as timid. Yeah, sure, she had her ups and downs, but she knew Jesus was with her and she trusted. She trusted his authority. And that's the contrast that I want to draw to these disciples here. You know, she always seemed to have this firm foundation. Now, I'm sure she felt anxious, as I said, but she was steadfast in the face of that danger she was confronted with, always resting in her faith. Now, of course, um, this side of the cross, she knew who Jesus was. And the disciples in our passage here, they're not completely sure yet. They haven't truly grasped who he is. They don't fully understand his authority. And maybe they should have. I mean, Jesus is pretty harsh in the way he speaks to them for not trusting more fully. But even so, the disciples turn to him, don't they? And what we see is that it's not the strength of their faith that saves it's the one that their faith is in who does the saving. And so even through this little faith, Jesus, a man of great compassion, stills the storm and he saves. It's not the strength of their faith that saves. It's the one their faith is in. So having completed their journey they land on that eastern side of the lake and two men possessed by demons come out and meet Jesus. And they say, what do you want with us, son of God? They shouted, have you come here to torture us before the appointed time? It's interesting, isn't it? The demons know who Jesus is. 
And the account goes on to say, some distance from them, a large herd of pigs was feeding. The demons begged Jesus, if you drive us out, send us into the herd of pigs. So do you notice here, they don't submit to Jesus' authority, but they know that he has it. They know they can't stop him. And so Jesus does send them out and they enter the pigs. And we see here this authority that Jesus has, not just over the natural world, but over the supernatural. And we also see his compassion, don't we, for those two poor men who'd been tormented by those demons and living in those tombs for so long. And the pigs, they stampede and they drown. And I'm imagining uh, the blokes that were looking after that large herd of pigs. You know, the pig stampede, there's all this dust and it clears and suddenly they come face to face with Jesus and face to face with these men who were so violent that no one could pass them previously and they look at each other and they leg it back to town. And they must tell a pretty good story because the whole town comes out to see. But they don't welcome the bloke that healed their fellow citizens. Actually, they plead with him. They beg him to leave. Now, why is that? Why do, they, why do they beg Jesus to leave them? It'd be intimidating to come face to face and see what would happen, for sure. But they knew that those men, those poor men, had been healed by Jesus because the people tending those pigs had told all that had happened to them. And that would be a thing to rejoice in, wouldn't it? The healing of these two men. So was it that they valued the pigs more than the healing that had been done? It would have been pretty costly to lose all those pigs. It was a massive herd. Maybe it's easier to reject Jesus, reject his authority, just ask him to leave. You know, just get on with life without disruption. Don't pay any attention to Jesus or Jesus' compassion. Maybe a bit like that guy um, I know of told you this story before a guy in his 20s at uni and i told him about jesus but he was partying he was living the life and he didn't want jesus i told him about him i told him about the compassion that jesus had but he just wanted to get onto his life get on with his life he didn't want anything interfering with that and he wasn't interested in jesus or the compassion that jesus has for him and this crowd well they're not interested in that either And so Jesus gets back in his boat, heads back westerly direction across the lake now, and he meets the paralyzed man that was brought to him by his mates. Do you remember what Jesus said when he saw the faith of these men? He says this, take heart. You know, have courage is what he means by that. Have courage, be firm. And then he says, your sins are forgiven. And I wonder if you put yourself you know, into the story, into the, uh, the place where that happened, what would that paralyzed man have thought? You know, I reckon he was brought along by his buddies to be healed physically. Maybe they were over at his house having a chat, talking about this Jesus bloke, you know, all this healing that he was doing saying, mate, wouldn't it be great if we could just get you in front of this Jesus guy? And then they hear that he's back and they say, hey, let's get you on your mat. Let's head on over. Let's get you walking, mate. 
And the first thing Jesus says because of their faith is, be courageous, son. Your sins are forgiven. But can you hear the compassion in his voice as he leans over and calls this poor man's son? And we know that Jesus would later go to the cross and die, taking our punishment for turning our back on God. He's got the authority to forgive sins through faith. He has that. And so I I don't know what that man thought up to that point, just lying there on his mat, unable to walk as Jesus spoke to him. But I do know that he had nothing to fear. Because the man who had who has authority over the natural and all of the supernatural, over all of creation, had forgiven him. And I know that this man will be with Jesus in eternity. So yes, be courageous, son. If you know you have eternity, you can stand steadfast through anything. And so at the end of this account, Jesus goes on to prove his authority over sin to those who were standing around by healing the man physically. And the response of the crowd is quite different, isn't it, to the response of the others? And it's quite right, filled with awe. They praise God and they praise his authority. And so from these three accounts, what do we make of all of this? Well... It's likely there are people here today who are feeling a little bit like the disciples in that boat. Maybe not making a sea crossing on your way to work, but faced with challenges, faced with struggles, maybe feeling some fear, maybe feeling some doubt about Jesus and about him saving. But there may be people here who are in a place of little faith. And I want you to hear from today's passage that that is still faith. And you know it because you're wrestling with it. See, that crowd after the pigs had all stampeded down into the water and drowned, they turned Jesus away and he left. That crowd weren't wrestling with anything. They just wanted him gone so they could get on with life. They sent Jesus away. They weren't worried about being saved. They weren't struggling with anything. But if that description, the disciples in the boat, if it feels like you, then know from this passage that Jesus has compassion. And he has compassion on you. And so even with little faith, he'll use his authority to forgive and to forgive you. And there may be people here today who are more like the people in the crowd who came out after the pigs had drowned, who don't want too much to do with Jesus. Maybe see um, the affairs of this life much more clearly than Jesus' compassion and his offer of eternity. And I get that because I was into my 30s. I was like that until I was in my 30s. If that is you, then please know there is... So much more to live for. So much more. And these few verses that we've looked at, they show us the authority and the compassion that Jesus has that you need to explore for yourself. And I can tell you from my own experience, it's real and it's meaningful.
I'd be very happy to share that story with you if you want to hear it. You know, I was uh, reflecting on this and I was thinking, back then, before I knew Jesus, would I want to come and talk to someone about him if I just heard those things? And I'm not sure. But I want to say, don't waste the time that I did. Ask questions. Pick up a Bible. Do something. And finally... That last crowd of people, they saw something magnificent that day, didn't they, before their eyes? The power of God was amongst them. The power of God was doing those things and they knew it. And they were filled with awe and they praised God. And Jesus told that man to be courageous, not because he'd walk again, but because he was forgiven through faith. If you have faith in Jesus then take heart, brothers and sisters, because we know the authority of Jesus and we are forgiven through faith because of it and we have an eternity ahead of us with God. And if that's in our minds, if it's in our hearts, we can stand courageous, we can stand firm and steadfast because faith in Jesus and his authority leaves little room for fear. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this word today and this reminder that Jesus has authority over all things. Father, your compassion for us is so great and your forgiveness even greater. We ask that you'd help us to grow in our faith and trust in Jesus and his authority. And Father, help us when we struggle to remember that authority, Jesus' compassion. Um, Father, we ask that you would help us feel it in our hearts. And we pray that many might hear your words and not turn Jesus away, but turn to him and experience those things for themselves. Father, it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Time now for our youth to head out and talk through what we've just heard in their youth groups. So if you're youth aged, you know who you are, please head out to the youth leaders at the back. And uh, I was going to invite the band to come up, but uh, they're already here, so welcome. We're going to stand and sing. Uh, Our next song, Grace Awaiting Me, is what it's called. And we've just heard um, a series of verses, haven't we, about Jesus and his compassion and the grace that is extended to us when we believe in him.